Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another installment of our Inspired Jewish Women weekly interview podcast. Today I have Meira Spivak coming to us. Hi, Meira. How you doing? Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. It's just like truly an honor to be on one of Eve's podcasts. So thank you so much. Meira is a lot to a lot of people. I could read her bio or I could just go on and on about her. Chef extraordinaire, director of Oregon NCSY. Do you guys know what NCSY is? It's an incredible organization. Maybe Meira will tell us a little bit more about it. A lot of people ask me, what does it stand for? Like, what is NCSY? What is that acronym? So I joke that it stands for nothing can stop you. And that is actually what I go around telling people. But in truth, the acronym stands for the National Conference of Synagogue Youth. But because the acronym isn't really relevant anymore, like we're international now and we don't do events really in synagogues so much. So because of that, we kept the acronym just because we have a brand, but we don't use it anymore. But we're here to connect, inspire, and empower Jewish teens, meaningful programming. And I'll just share, and this is something I'm passionate about. We can't assume that the next generation is going to want to stay Jewish. So everything that we do that's Jewish has to be super fun and super meaningful. So that's really what we try to do is just infuse meaning and fun into all of our programs. So And it has to be really, really good food. Totally. I cannot even count probably the thousands of muffins that I have made <laughs> over the years on our Shabbaton. So I wouldn't say it's all about the food, but it's kind of all about the food. So yeah, totally. NCSY is a national organization and it's been around for decades. It's really one of the most impressive organizations I've ever encountered. It's incredible just to see them take these Jewish sparks and light them on fire and, and see how they share that fire with the next generation. And wow. Must be very meaningful work every day. <laughs> I, I really, I truly love my job. I really wake up every day just excited to start the day new, whatever task it is. So it's really my privilege to help serve the Jewish people. So really, I love what I do. If we want this podcast to be all about NCSY, I can go on and on. It's truly, truly uh, meaningful work. That's amazing. Beautiful. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little different. I don't know if you stumbled upon this. I'm not sure when this came to you, but we are going to be talking about a systematic, inventive thinking method of creativity. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, we call it SIT for systematic inventive thinking. It's really the acronym. Okay. Uh, another acronym that nobody wants to learn, but SIT is, and I did stumble upon it and I'll share with you how I did it, but actually Eve, I think that you have the book. I have to tell you when I talk about the book, everyone knows just there's one book it's called inside the box. And this is really, truly a book that has changed my life and my perspective on challenges and growth and innovation. So I'm going to share with you like some of the tools and techniques that I've learned, but I really did kind of stumble upon it. A colleague of mine suggested that I read it a few years ago, 
And I said, sure, what is it? They said, just read it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And I was like, okay, I, I trust you. I'll just read it. In the beginning of COVID, when we, you know, we met socially distanced on our front lawn. And I said, what have you been up with? And you're like, I'm really into this book. I'm really into this method. I'm creating. I've never been writing so much. Everything has changed. I'm like flipping every model in my mind. You were like on fire. And yeah. so I went that night and I ordered this book. And I don't think I got through two pages of it. <laughs> I'm sorry to say so technical and that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I kind of want the cliff notes because it sounds very powerful and it yeah. sounds like there's a lot that I could use that everyone could use all the listeners so I have to just tell you I think you're the first person that ever told me they only got through two pages some people got through the first chapter but I've gone through it I mean probably at least five times. Not only do I have the regular book, which looks like it's been like a sitter that's been worn. I also have the audiobook. Inside the box. I was always taught to think outside the box, right? Exactly. Isn't that the way of creativity? Like you have to get outside the box. You have to get out there. You have to be new, creative, cutting edge. Just like explain the title, the basic concept. Okay, so let me give you like a just quick history of brainstorming. Brainstorming was actually discovered or started by someone named Alex Osborne, okay? He was not appreciating the fact that people were not coming up with a lot of great ideas. So he invented this idea called brainstorming. And that's what the brainstorming that we're familiar with, right? You get in a room, everybody shouts out ideas. No answer is a bad answer. The crazier the idea, the better. You write it on the board. You could only say everything's great. No one's allowed to downplay anything. And that's what we're used to. And, you know, a lot of my SAT classes that I teach, I actually start off sharing my experiences with brainstorming sessions, because I think I have some PTSD to the point that I used to go to these meetings and everyone would sit there and they're shouting ideas. And I was the one who was like, guys, like, this is not realistic. Like we're not renting out a stadium for this party. Like, let's just think realistic. And people would just turn to me and say, Mira, you're like a Debbie Downer. We can't have you. There was points that I was actually getting asked to leave brainstorming sessions because I was being negative. I always thought I was a creative person and it really hurt me. I was like, what do you mean I'm creative? This is just not realistic. And that's just kind of how I went along, feeling frustrated, having these meetings, not really getting anywhere. Just think about this for yourself for a minute. If you're like, oh, I'm stuck. I, I really have a big problem. And I'm like, just think outside the box. You're like, well, what do I think about? So saying to someone, think outside the box, you don't know what should I think about. And it's boundaryless, right? It's endless, exactly. There's no end, there's no box. But I'll tell you what's interesting. It's even from the beginning, after Osborne had created this whole system, studies within two, three years proved that brainstorming, his brainstorming never worked. Because if you take about eight or 10 people in a room, or you put four or five pairs of two people separated. So either you have eight or 10 people, let's say eight people brainstorming together, or you have four pairs of two people coming up with ideas. The four pairs of two people will come up with, I think it's 75% better ideas and more ideas. Those big groups, they inhibit people. People are scared to speak up. There's a lot of different dimensions in that group method and it doesn't work. So inside the box, the book was co-written by Jacob Goldenberg, who's one of the co-founders of SIT and with Drew Boyd. That's Jacob, by the way, Jacob, he's an Israeli. He is an incredible person, a real mensch. And really Jacob, and this method teaches that if you think outside the box, 
you're not going to really get anywhere. You're going to be thinking, maybe you'll come up with one idea every so often, but really it's kind of like, I say it is like, you're in the shower waiting for some inspiration. Like, are you going to spend your whole life waiting for an out of the box idea? Or can we teach you a system that allows you to innovate on demand all the time? Mm -hmm. You see, people think creativity is like a gift. Like, oh, you're so creative. And that's what I thought. Like some people are just, they have it. And some people don't like some people just have better ideas. And there is something to it. Like some people are born with like a creative tendency and some people are just kind of more natural. It's more natural for them, but really creativity and innovation, actually a skill that can be learned. Anybody can learn to be creative. It's not a gift. It's a skill. And when I learned that, just that point alone was a game changer for me. It really gave me hope and inspiration. Wow. That's really, really amazing. Yeah. I, I could just imagine myself coming to you and saying, but I'm not creative. What you're saying here, it really is a game changer because what you're saying is that you don't have to be creative. Exactly. Learn exactly. the tools yes. to practice creativity, to innovate every single time, right? Whenever you're in a situation, you could use certain tools to be innovative. Yeah, I mean, you have to get past page two. I'll try it again. <laughs> um, because of the first chapter, but there is a method. It's really simple to learn. Some of the steps are easier than others. Some are harder, but I guarantee you, they are complete game changers. They are, they change your perspective. The idea of inside the box, by the way, I'll teach you a little concept about SIT, okay? It's called the closed world. So when we think of ideas, instead of thinking of these ideas that are, oh, let's rent out a stadium, right? These big ideas. We want to think within our closed world. So what does that mean? So our closed world, we actually define it. And however we define the boundaries will actually change our perspective. So let me give an example. Let's say I was asking you to look out the window and look at the block, okay? So if I would say the closed world is our entire block, you would see a row of houses. And I would say, what do you see? Well, I see some houses and some cars on the street. And then I would say, well, let's change the closed world. Let's zoom in a little bit and let's just focus on one house. And now you see the windows and the color of the paint and the driveway. And maybe I'm going to zoom in a little bit more with a camera lens. And I'm going to say, let's just zoom in on one person's shed. Oh, wow. Now you're really seeing the details of the shed on the side and the tool. Just where you focus is going to change what you're thinking about. So before we innovate, we actually want to define our closed world. So I might say, if I need to make an event, right? And I say, instead of renting out a stadium, we're going to make an event, but we only can use the tools in our home. Or I'm going to make Shabbat dinner and I'm only going to use what's in my pantry. Okay. You're going to get very creative. If I tell you, go to the store and you can get whatever you want. So you pick up your box of rice and you get, but if I tell you, here's your five products and make the most creative Shabbat ever, that's going to be creative because you're limiting. The more you limit yourself and put constraints on what you're allowed to do, it forces you to be creative, right? Instead of saying, oh, money's no object. No, no, no. Say, let's come up with this awesome program and we only could spend $12, right? You're like, what? How am I going to do that? But if you figure it out, it's going to be so much more creative. Mira, you should make this into a TV show. I mean, the cooking shows where you get a basket of like all these random foods and you have to innovate. I mean, this could be fun. Yeah, but imagine if the person went into a store and they were like, innovate, and, and they're like, get anything from the store. I'm telling you, they would be frozen because it's like, where do I start? But if I say, innovate with these five items, you don't have a choice. You're forced to innovate as opposed to 
Think outside the box. Think of the whole store. Let's change our closed world. Our closed world is just your shopping cart. The more we narrow it down and constrain the brain, it actually forces us to be creative. You know, really one of the crucial teaching of SIT is something that we call function follows form. I'll tell you what it is. It's not so much the detail of what it is, but what we're going to learn from it. Okay. So if I told you, let's say you had a nice glass water bottle and I said, well, what could you use this for? And you would say, well, oh, oh, thank you. Perfect. Okay. So you have this nice water bottle. Eve, what could you, what do you use that for? It could be a rolling pin. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good solid glass one. Um, It could be a vase. Yes. Yeah, I like this. There's a lot of different usages for things, but it's often not until that thing is broken. Okay, listen to this. You're actually going to be more innovative. Once something is broken, you'll be able to come up with more items and more uses for it than if it's just regular. For example, if I had a chair, I'll say, wow, that chair is great. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, the chair, we sit on it. It's fine. Now, let's say I had a chair and the legs fell off. That's pretty much garbage, right? I would probably throw it out unless I was a carpenter or whatever. But let's say, Instead of throwing it out, I asked you a question. And this question is one of the key questions we ask in SIT. What are the benefits of having a broken chair? What other uses can we have for it? Let's say I had a bike and one of the wheels came off. Well, what am I going to do with a bike with one wheel? Probably the person that invented the unicycle thought of a great idea, right? Or probably the person who invented the stationary bike with a different system. If I had a chair with no legs, I might throw it out it might cause me to start thinking about booster seats Mm. or chairs that go onto other things. But if I just said to you, invent something where kids could sit, you'd be like, what, what do I think about? But if I take something broken and I ask myself a benefit of it, it leads to new things. So for example, and just COVID, right? So starting, um, many of you know, we had staff here. We have, we had a couple that lived here for many years and they were working for us and it was great at NTSY. And then for personal reasons, they moved out of town and it came August and I had tried for months to find a replacement for them and I couldn't find one. And it was August and our program start end of August, September. And I looked myself on the Zoom screen and I said, well, what are we gonna do now? I said, this is terrible. And then I asked myself, well, what are we gonna do? And eventually we decided, and this at the time was crazy for us. This was really, wasn't done at this point really. We ended up hiring remotely, okay? now. For most people now, it's like, yeah, everyone works remotely, but in a position that everything is done hands-on, everything is done in person, we're hosting people, we're coming to their house, we're meeting them in the store. It really wasn't something that was like normal to do in our field of work, okay? So we decided to do that. Now, making that decision was hard, but we decided to do it. But how was I able to make that decision? Because in the beginning, I said, this is the worst thing ever. I never want to hire virtually. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But I asked myself, what's the benefit of hiring someone virtually? Well, there's less drama. I don't have, right? There's less stuff I need help with. I might be able to pay them less per se. Actually, you know what's really interesting? If they're working virtually and they're not traveling to programs, they can actually run a lot more programs than somebody that was constantly running around. Mm-hmm. So at the end, we actually have a, a system now that's pretty awesome. Like I have staff that live not in Portland, which is not ideal, but they are accomplishing so much more than just one person could have in a regular time. Because everything's 
virtual, instead of me throwing down the towel and saying, this is not going to work, it's over, I was able to see the benefits of that opportunity and allow myself to kind of go in, as opposed to just saying, I'm throwing the towel, this is a bad idea. Is that clear? Yeah, it's kind of like seeing your crisis as an opportunity. It's not that I am oblivious to the challenges of hiring remotely. It's not that I don't understand that these are real challenges. It's that I am going to choose to focus on the opportunities. Now I'm running the queue, right? Virtual escape room. It's going to be amazing. We're getting a food, the whole shebang. And there's challenges. I don't have staff here to help me. It really is a true challenge. But at the same time, I was able to move on to pivot whatever word you want to use because I focused and I saw the opportunity in the challenge. Mm. I'm not denying the challenge. I know that it's there. It's there and it's real and it's hard. But if we're able to look to be future focused, and by the way, the companies that are future focused, we always make a joke, but half the companies are spending their time advertising and saying, we sanitize our pens, come to our office. <laughs> That's not future focused. That's just help. I I'm stuck. I think it was called Tentmate. They were a tent company. Within like a few weeks of COVID, right mm -hmm. away, they pivoted and their tents were being sold for drive-in testing zones. That's looking to the future. That's pivoting quickly because they weren't stuck saying nobody's buying tents anymore for events. They could have spent months saying, we're going to close down. Nobody's going to rent our tents anymore. We sanitize our tents. It's not what they did. They looked to the future and said, well, what can we be used for now? They faced a real challenge. They were about to go out of business. But instead, they pivoted. They asked themselves, what's the benefit? What's good about having this situation when no one needs tents? What else could we use tents for? And right away, they pivoted and looked to the future. So it's a matter of perspective. The more I work on this, the more I see it, our biggest challenges are going to be our biggest opportunities. Hmm. Do you remember the company Kodak? Yeah, of course. Is it still around? I, I, I don't, I don't so, see it much, but so. it used to be huge. Cause you remember when, when we grew up back in the day, we had film, right? You would put it in the camera, like pull it, you know, close the camera, it would wind. Well, do you remember? I mean, our kids wouldn't know what we're talking about if they overheard us right now. But I heard a story once from a friend of mine, Susan Kramer. She said that when things were going, when, when you know, photography and cameras and all the technology and Kodak was approached to kind of like up their game. And they kept saying, we do film. They never got with the times. Maybe it exists, maybe they still do amazing things, but they never really climbed the ladder of the technology in cameras, like the SD cards and all this amazing gigabytes. They, they just, they stayed with film and that was their choice. So I'm loving what you're saying because as the world changes, as we change, as everything is constantly changing, I, I feel like the only thing that we could rely on is change itself. We're constantly needing to reinvent ourselves and innovate with what we have. Because as things change, sometimes we have more, sometimes we have less. Sometimes things are just falling apart all around us. And we just, we, we need to kind of find those tools. 
So yeah. Miguel, do you want to share a few more tools before we maybe take it into like a practical way, just so people could walk away with something, maybe a few personal examples of things that you've seen some of your clients do? Sure. Of course. Yeah, totally. One of my favorite topics of SIT, and this is actually not one of the five templates. So it's interesting because in the book, Inside the Box, it's actually at the end. And the, the two authors of the book actually had a little disagreement if it should be in the beginning or the end. I told them this must be in the beginning. It's really instrumental. So the tool is really called, if you've heard of something called a contradiction, it might be something you're familiar with, right? It's you have two things and they seem opposite. Like it can't be. How could both of these be opposite at the same time? How could they both be true? We go through this all the time. The example I love to give is this. And I'm, some of you might have probably said these words before. I can't ask my boss for a raise because my company is going through budget cuts. My child will never get into an Ivy League school because they have bad grades. Really? Well, does your company not give any raises even though they're, all, they're making budget cuts at the same time? Is it possible to get a raise while your company is making budget cuts? You see, a lot of times we make these statements that are true. My company is ma making bu budget cuts. But does that mean it's true that we also can't get a raise? We make these two statements and we assume or we kind of pass judgment and we say, well, it can't be true. These two things, we can't get what we want. Hmm. What we really want to do, and this is something, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a great example. In the Spanish Civil War, there's a lot of fighting going on. And at one point, they're trapped. They're, I think they're in a monastery. Hey, the fascists are outside. And there's literally, they're running out of food and supplies. And before, in the beginning, at some point, they had been getting all the food through parachutes, okay? Parachutes were raining down, getting them supplies, getting them food. And then at one point, they ran out of parachutes. Now, this was a really big problem because they were starving. They really needed stuff. They did not know what to do. Now, I don't know who had the solution. And whoever came up with it, obviously, is very, very intelligent and knew some of these tools. But listen to what they did. Instead of saying... Well, we have no parachutes. We get our food and supplies from parachutes. There are no more parachutes left. I guess we're going to die. They're both true. We get our food from parachutes. There's no parachutes. We will need no food. Okay. These are all true statements. You know what they did? They started to send their supplies down attached to turkeys. So as the turkeys flew down, as it flapped its wings, it landed safely. They got all their supplies and their turkey became their meat. It's really genius. They said, is it true that if we don't have parachutes, we can't get our food? Is there another way to get our food besides for the parachutes? Be like really traumatized turkeys. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. They're all vegetarian after that. All... Okay, no, but I mean, this is also like another one of my favorite examples. Have you ever been to a parade? I grew up in New York. I used to go to like the Macy's Thanksgiving. So you go to these parades and how do they get people to stay out of the street? So usually they have these like metal barriers, right? Where people could only push up against a certain point. You see, when they made them, they had a problem because they wanted them to be heavy. It wouldn't fall over when people pushed against it. But they needed it to be light because they needed to transport them easily. Mm -hmm. How could we make something that's heavy and light at the same time? We can't. I, I guess we can't make it. There's a contradiction. We can't make something that's heavy and light at the same time. But then they realized that no, there's a false contradiction here. We don't need something heavy and light at the same time. We need something heavy when the people are pushing it against it and light when we carry it.
So you know what they did? They have these fences and on the bottom, they have like these little metal bars or something that the people step on. So when people push against the metal poles, they're actually putting the weight on the bottom of the poles on the base and they are holding the bases in place. The people themselves are now giving it strength. We would think we need a light and heavy at the same time. We don't. So what do they do? They made something that's light when you carry it and the people make it heavy. You see, how do we apply this to our own lives? We look around and there's so many things that we say, this is impossible. Anytime you see and you say something and go, this is impossible. That should be a buzzword for, I bet there's a false contradiction over here because almost every contradiction is false. It's just a limit that we put on ourselves. Whenever we say, I can't do this, there's no way out. There's a way out. You just need to know what it is. Now, what SIT does is teaches you five templates or five ways out. But even before you know any templates, let's say you know no steps, it doesn't even matter. Just knowing that nothing is impossible and impossible is a buzzword for opportunity. I'm possible. <laughs> I am possible. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, it's truly, you know, it's a little bit esoteric in the beginning when you think what contradiction in this, I, you know, and again, in, in, the, in the classes that I teach, we get much more into, into detail with this, but just when you hear yourself saying, I can't, it's opportunity. That's mm -hmm. a, there's a false contradiction over there. I can't run programming because I don't have staff that's living here. My program can't be successful if I don't have staff that's living here. My fundraiser can be innovative if I'm online. Whatever you use that can't word, really? Can't, it can't be? Is it possible that there's a way we just have to figure it out? So now that I learned SIT, I have this like extra confidence because I know that I have these tools in my pocket. So anytime we need to innovate, I'm like, bring it on. I have five tools. Like one of them's got to work. Again, I think confident is that word. Like I walk around, I always thought I was a creative person, but now I have those tools to innovate on demand. So contradiction is really important, but I think there's really a theme. And SIT and learn about it more and more is, and even though the point of SIT is to teach you how to innovate on demand, when you're able to see your challenges as your opportunities, when you're able to identify your challenges and literally know that once you identify them, you're on your way to solving them, you're light years ahead, even with no strategies. So when you have those strategies, it's like, it's a game changer. Could you give us one example, either something that you yourself saw in your own work or life or in one of your clients that you've helped with this? I have a great story. So I was doing a workshop for a camp. I'm also, I run a sleepaway camp, Camp Kesher, and I also work in a sleepaway camp for many years, Camp Megillah, Midwest. So I have a lot of camp experience. And I was actually doing a workshop for a camp who, this was in the beginning of COVID, okay? So they were still going to run and they, they actually, I think they did run on some level, but it was really, really fascinating. There were, this was a, for a boys division and we, we, we were speaking and I said to them, you know, I don't know how to bring this up in a fun way, but I know you're very into sports in your camp. And what would happen if the CDC came out and said, there's not going to be sports in camp this summer. If I could have screenshotted all of their faces, they were like, Wait, what? And I'm like, well, you know, it's possible that the CDC can come out and say, we can't have any contact sports. There were people up in our, I had people yelling at me. Well, we should just close down. You want to close down your camp because you can't have sports? Our, 
well, this is what we do. We're a boy scout. All we do is sports. I can't even share, like begin to paint the picture of what this was like. I mean, but literally like, let's close the camp. And I said to them, I'm like, let's do this right. And it, first we went through the steps of SIT and this was using the subtraction method. But I said to them, what are the benefits of not having sports in camp? And that's when the discussion started to get exciting. Because finally, one of the guys piped up and said, well, wouldn't it be nice for all those kids that weren't good at sports mm -hmm. to actually have a chance to shine this summer? And then another, well, what about all those other programs we always said we were going to, those life skill programs we always wanted to develop? Oh, and what about that wilderness program that we had said? Do you think we'd be allowed to run a 5K? Mm -hmm. You know, that music department, we were going to make a big production and it never happened because we were so busy with, by the time we finished this discussion, they were so excited about the opportunities that camp could portray. It, the whole workshop is 90 minutes. I mean, it was screaming. One of the staff literally almost lost his job. Was like, if there's no sports, I am not even coming to, I mean, the director was like, if you want, we could talk later about like people's jobs in the summer. It was, it was awkward, okay? And at the end, people were like, okay, you know, like we can run a 5K this summer and we can make a music program and we could teach life skills and it's not gonna be the same. And this is the message. It's not the same. It's not the same that I hired virtual staff and the, the online event is not the same, but it doesn't mean that there aren't advantages and it doesn't mean that it can't be awesome. We're so stuck and fixedness is a big piece. We're so stuck on the way things have to be and always were that it's hard for us to get past it and to pivot and to look for the future. But if we're able to say, yes, this is a challenge or yes, this is terrible and not but, and it's a challenge, but you know what? There's gonna be advantages. We're gonna have a hundred kids this summer that are gonna shine because they're not good at sports. And then the kids that can't, it is what it is. We're going to do a biking program. We're going to make a whole camping trip. It's not going to be the same, but it could still be awesome. Amazing. So amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. What a great example. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time and it's just, it's really, again, the word I use is game changer because it just is. You go in one way and you come out transformed. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to end with? A piece of advice? Again, I was, or I probably am naturally still the Debbie Downer. <laughs> I am the person that will see every negative thing in every situation. And I'm a realist and I do it not because I'm trying to be negative, but because I love fixing things. Like I right. love, it could be better, but really it's just knowing that there's an opportunity. It's mm. not the same, but there's always something there that you can grasp. And it's a choice that you're going to have to make. Do you want to be the kind of person that just complains or just gets stuck? Mm. Or do you want to be the kind of person that finds that one opportunity and grabs onto it and, you know, trailblazes ahead? It's a choice. Mm. What kind of person do you want to be? Amazing. Amazing. So great. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. yeah, fabulous. Very well spent half hour together. Just in case some of our listeners want to find you and hear more. So you offer an hour and a half um, 
what is it a workshop yeah i mean i have a, a bunch of type of you know different programs that we do i mean there's different workshops there's uh different classes the master classes which actually teach all of the tools of sit so you know feel free to contact me i you know help businesses pivot and whatever you need can you know anyone who i have a lot of experience in different areas so you know definitely go check out my website the erasbevac.com subscribe for my blog i try to write weekly on innovation topics and also post on social media i so appreciate you inviting me here and you know just being able to very very mutual very mutual and thank you for spending some time with us today and teaching us just a little bit and i just hope i hope people will delve in deeper thank you thank you have a great day everybody thank you for listening we value that you are a part of our community Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.